here's a question. Is laughter a bad thing, do you suppose? Like in Umberto Eco's The Name of the Rose. Well, unlike Jorge de Bergos, I don't think it's a sin. In fact, some say that laughter is like medicine, and a good belly laugh releases endorphins. And if you're up for that fin twit, then please do come in. More sassafras! Hear ye, hear ye, all ye who hear this here podcast, know this. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing discussed on this podcast should be considered investment advice. The hosts hold no licenses and are not financial advisors. Do your own research before making investment decisions, and we do hope you enjoy this podcast. Okay, we're ready. John W.B. Rich, welcome to TC's Charcast. So great that you could join us. Yeah, hey everyone. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, it's wonderful. We're thrilled. We're thrilled to have you. This is your worldwide podcast premiere, and uh, you run one of the most successful FinTwit <laughs> accounts because of your sage uh, investment uh, history and, and thoughts going forward. So we thought it'd be great for our audience to hear from, from the man himself. But as is the tradition on our show, uh, why don't you tell us who John W.B. Rich is, where were you born, sketch the arc of your career, and talk us through to um, how you found yourself to where you are today. Yeah, absolutely. So, <clears throat> let's see, I was born in 1912, um, grew up in a small little town in Connecticut um, called Stamford, hated my parents. They didn't do anything for me except, you know, my dad helped launch my career. He gave me a, a loan to start out my career. But anyway, I'll, I'll fast forward through my childhood. And um, you guys know 1929, the 1929 crash. Do you remember that? Yeah, I wasn't around for it, but I've read about it. Oh, okay. Well, my dad and I, we invented short selling during that. So you can imagine we, we made a killing during that. So um, after that. I, you know, I went to Harvard Business School, class of 1937. Um, so that was a fun time. And then um, dodged the draft a bit. Well, I had, you know, I had health issues. But after after business school, my dad gave me a small loan, $200 million. Um, and I acquired a 30% stake in, in uh, Pacific Telephone and Telegraph. You might know it today. It's AT&T. Um, yeah, after that, you know, it was 40s and 50s. I, I made a killing in the life insurance business, um, not not from investing. Uh, actually, my four first wives, they disappeared. <coughs> um, I got a sizable donation, you could call it, from the, the life insurance companies. Um, and yeah, I just did that for several years. Um, Pac Bell spun off in, in 1982. Uh, that's when I was put in charge of, of AT&T. Um, but, you know, I, I was removed um, from my post. Uh, forget about that. Don't worry about that. Um, did some consulting for a bit. You know, long-term capital management, Madoff Securities, Enron, WorldCom. Those are some of my best clients. Um, in 1998, AOL asked me to be CFO. Um, I graciously accepted 
I was there for about two years um, until we merged with Time Warner. And, you know, I don't know, Time Warner didn't want me. So I was bought out for $200 million. Uh, still have that money today. I, I haven't really checked AOL stock, but I, I assume they're doing pretty well. So I left them in good hands. Um, yeah, today, um, you know, I, I just, I basically spend my time on Twitter. As you guys know, I, I do consulting. Um, I have a private family office where, where we do investing and I'm sure we'll get more into my investing strategies later on in the show. Oh, they, they didn't add sassafras to my vodka. Oh, intern. So that brings us a little bit to today then, John. Tell us what, what is your day-to-day life like? What are you doing now? What consumes your, your time, your thought process? What is an average day for John W.B. Rich look like? Yeah, well, actually, uh, today I, I spend my time giving back and volunteering. I don't like these headphones. My ears don't fit. I spend my time on Twitter 16 hours a day. Um, I like to harass people that don't agree with me. Um, and I like to tweet 500 to a thousand times a day just to make sure everyone's getting my opinions on, on absolutely everything. Even if I don't have an opinion on it or I don't, I haven't done any research. I just like to put my opinions out there. People seem to like it. Um, so yeah, that takes up about 16 hours. Um, beyond that, you know, my kids don't talk to me, so that doesn't take up any time. Thank God. Um, I go to Wendy's usually two or three times a day. Uh, I meet up with my investing club there. Um, so I, I usually, I walk there or I, I take one of those Lime scooters to Wendy's. That's about three hours of my day. Um, beyond that, you know, I'm in bed, um, either being tended to by a nurse or, um, I don't know, just watching CNBC. I like to watch Jim Cramer three to four hours a day. Um, I guess I run a, I, I said that I run a uh, private family office. I do that a bit. I, you know, I have a lot of unpaid interns. They do most of the work, so I don't have to really go into the office. I, I just kind of call them randomly to chew them out if an investment didn't work out. Um, you know, I, I expect 25% returns on that per month. And, uh, so usually they're able to do that. They send me a statement and say, Hey, we, you know, we did 27% this month. So that's good. Uh, that's humping along and yeah, I don't have to actively manage it. You know, John, uh, we've been really actively following you on Twitter and it's been a remarkable year in the markets for volatility. And, you know, we've had unbelievable stock market crashes and then unexpected and ferocious recoveries and some big names have gone completely off the charts, literally. Um, talk us through some of the big bets you've made this year in the market and how they have worked out for you and, and your firm. Yeah. So look, I, I didn't think the, um, I, I didn't think there'd be a crash. I'll, I'll be honest, but, um, I think you guys know Senator Kelly Loeffler of Georgia. She's a good friend. So back in February, she told me, well, she told me to buy Citrix systems and that was a big, investment i you know she told me to buy it as a hedge so i did that um it worked out okay it's up like 40 percent since then um but actually i 
you know, I, one of my unpaid interns, they told me to buy Zoom. So we have a huge position in Zoom. That worked out. Um, of course, a lot of my other positions, we panic sold in March. Um, so we lost a bunch of money on those. But, you know, based on the Zoom position, that worked out. So we're up this, this year. I didn't see the crash coming. Um, I didn't see the recovery. So, um, I guess it is what it is. I mean, I didn't see the crash coming at all. So we weren't prepared. I, I chewed out my interns for that. And then I chewed them out when they panicked, sold, and two months later, stocks were back up. So that was tough. I had to fire all my staff because they, they missed out on that. Um, so it sounds like Part of your investment process is very much tapping into the network you've developed over the years. Uh, you know, Citrix came on your radar through uh, Senator Loeffler. Um, is that common for how you decide to look deeper into a name? And, and how have you cultivated that um, kind of source of intel for your investments? Yeah, I mean, I, I was going to tell you guys this anecdote that was super important for my career. So um, in the late 1980s, I was actually, as an executive, I was called to testify in front of Congress, and I knew a little bit about uh, this this pay-to-play scheme this congressman had, had instituted, and I was supposed to tell Congress about it. And um, obviously that congressman didn't like that, so he actually, when I went into the bathroom during a break, he slipped in behind me, um, was using the toilet right next to me, and he actually whispered to me, Hey, buy these stocks. And then he gave me a note card and there's about 10 ticker symbols written on that. Um, and of course I actually, uh, stopped, you know, with my testimony, I just said, I don't recall anything. I, I didn't incriminate him and I invested in those 10 companies and they were up. My portfolio was up a thousand percent in the next two years. So that was huge. And that made me realize you know, what am I doing reading the Wall Street Journal or watching CNBC or watching the news? I should just be doing this, you know, much easier. That took 10 minutes. All I had to do was just not incriminate this congressman. He gave, you know, he did my work for me for years. Um, so that was kind of the turning point. That was about 1988. Um, that was totally the turning point for me. So I've tried to uh, become friends with congressmen, with senators. Um, at the same time, I, I look at the common man, see what they're using. So um, I hide behind people at the airport to see what apps they're using, or I, I'll hide in a garbage can right next to the register at, at restaurants or at fast food places and, and see what people are ordering um, so that I know, you know, does this place have, have a popular menu? Should I expect growth? Um, you know, so I'll just hide in places to do my research, um, multifamily, I I've been invested in multifamily. So, you know, I'll, I'll hide in the dumpsters in the trash room of apartment complexes owned by REITs I'm interested in and, and see what kind of stuff the people throw away. You know, if they're throwing away nice stuff, um, I know it's a high end clientele. They have a lot of money to spend. I, I know it's the type of place I want to be invested in. Um, so yeah, uh, to answer your question, I mean, I really, 
doing research the old-fashioned way of reading the 10Ks. It's just not, not really worked out for me in the past, so you have to find other ways to get things done. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you find an edge, it's good to press it, and it sounds like you've found a few of them in your career. Um, as we were getting ready for the show, we canvassed a few of, of uh, our, fall, our, our fellow FinTwit accounts for some questions for you, and, and one of them was pretty interesting. It came up was, um, you know, what's the most regretful trade you've made this year? or any big miscalculations that you've made where you sort of have to do a heel turn. Walk us through what some of those mistakes might have been, and then what is your internal process for handling those mistakes and making them right? Yeah, well, um, if I have two, really. If So if you follow my Twitter, you know that in late July, gold was surging. And I made a call that I was going to sell one of my children to buy gold calls, um, no, I definitely regret that. I, I feel bad that I did that. I miss my son. Uh, but worst of all, it just didn't work out super well. Gold kind of plateaued. It's It's been steadily up since then. But I do regret doing that. I probably shouldn't have. Um, besides that, I still own a bunch of Yahoo stock, which I really should have dumped like in 2005. Um, but I'm still holding on to that, and it's become worthless Verizon stock now, um, and not very much of it. So I'm still holding on. I'm still hoping for a bounce. Maybe Yahoo will will explode, and it'll be spun off from Verizon. So uh, those are those are the two that I really regret from this year. Well, sometimes it's hard to walk back from you know seeing initial success in an investment, and and then seeing it retreat, and and particularly when you know you know if you hang on. If you can really just have the patience to hang on, it's likely to come back. And so you don't want to lose your place in line, so to speak, uh, for, for when that happens. Uh, let's talk about a couple of other names that have been in the news that might be on the other side of, of that coin. We're really at their heyday. Um, we're seeing some uh, incredible valuations for names such as Tesla, uh, Apple, uh, Nikola, which is pre-revenue, uh, fascinatingly enough. And we've interviewed the CEO um, of that company here on this podcast. Um, are you following any of those names and have you taken any positions? Yes, um, I have. You know, as as you know, Tesla is a name I I talk about a lot. And um, like you were saying earlier, sometimes you need to hold on to a position. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of that. Tesla was down 31% the last couple of days. I think it's up up today, but maybe that's not one where you want to buy it at 500 and, and hold on for a while. But anyway... Um, Tesla, I, I hold a little bit of Tesla stock. I like it. I booked my flight to Mars, um, for next year. And you know, that's, that's SpaceX, but I, I think it's the same company, whatever. I think it's on a lot under the Tesla stock. Um, my unpaid interns love it. They've made a fortune on it. So yeah, we like Tesla. Um, you know, as, as soon as, if it ends up dropping a lot more the next week, I'm just maybe I'll ask you to, to erase that from the podcast uh, and and have me say I, I hate this stock, but um, you know because as soon as it if it dives off a cliff, I'll I'll probably delete all my tweets saying it was good and and go short. But um, yeah, Nicola, that's another good name. I I think it's a strong value play. Um, I like their dividend. Um, 
Yeah, Trevor Milton is a, a great friend of mine, really. Um, yeah, studio, this is Evac in control. Uh, that Nicholas story has changed a little bit since the recording, so um, we're going to have to cut some stuff out. Uh, I like what he's doing, and I like their dividend. Uh, I think they have steady growth. I think it's a strong value play, more so than Ford. Um, let's see, what other companies did you ask about? What about Apple? Have you given any thought to um, Apple and the big run-up and the recent pullback and uh, and the valuation there? You know, the stock has basically doubled on on flat earnings in the past oh. years. Uh, oh. Curious to get your thoughts on that. So Apple, oh, that's, okay, they make the phones. Um, yeah, to be honest, I when Warren Buffett um, invested heavily in, in Apple a while ago. I kind of wrote it off because, you know, usually when he invests, it's, uh, they'll still do well, but they've kind of plateaued. So I figured, you know, okay, he's, he's invested. It'll probably have five to 10% growth a year, which isn't good enough for me. So I kind of wrote it off. Um, I, I haven't touched in a while. I made a lot of money on it in the nineties, but Personally, I, I don't own any. I haven't even followed it. You know, I block I blocked Apple on Yahoo Finance so that they can't even show me. I, I just don't even want to be reminded of, of Warren doing well on anything. Uh, it just sickens me. Hold on a sec. Hey, is that my Wendy's? Hey. Get over here. Right. Sorry, just my intern was getting me breakfast. Um, no problem. Baconator. And um, he's... Oh, idiot. He just said, you know, that they're not open yet. So whatever. I mean, it's 730 here, so they should be open, you know, 730 in the morning. They should be open for breakfast. But anyway, yeah, Apple, I I don't touch that. What was, did you ask about another company? Yeah, sure. So another name that's really fascinating to me, and it ties back to Tesla, is um, a stock I would assume that you would have a great affinity for, which is ExxonMobil. And I wonder if you had any thoughts on, you know, recently, Tesla was worth more than ExxonMobil, despite having a fraction of, of its asset base and its revenue base and never having turned a profit. I'm curious to get your impression. You know, you've been in the market forever. ExxonMobil is paying something like 9% dividend right now. So with some capital appreciation, it could be a a John W.B. Rich investment. I'm curious to get your thoughts on those two names and how they compare and contrast to each other. Right. So, um, you know, I think that uh, I, I remember the days of Standard Oil and I was invested. I think Exxon's been a disappointment since then. Um, uh, look, I, I usually don't get my own gas, but I wanted to do some research on this the other day. So, I actually have a gas-powered stove, um, so I I went to an Exxon Mobil station and I I filled up a gallon of gas, brought it back, and you know I I put it in my oven to power my oven. Right, it's gas-powered oven, gas meaning gasoline. And I don't know what happened, but the food I made tasted horrible. Pretty much gave me food poisoning. So. Tasted like gasoline. I, I don't know what's wrong with Exxon's gas, but it did not work. So I'm not a fan of the product. Um, I don't like it. And, you know, I also, I went into the Exxon and I wanted to do some grocery shopping. You know, they didn't have alcohol. So that's uh, a huge red flag, right? Like they said, oh, we can't carry alcohol. But, you know, if a product's going to sell, just 
just find a way to put it in your stores. But they, they wouldn't sell me any alcohol. All I got was some Cheetos, a few other chip snacks, but they didn't have anything good. You know, the hot dogs, they tasted horrible. So not a fan of the product. If I don't like the product, I'm not going to invest. 9% dividend, you know, that sounds pretty good. But for as an individual investor, I don't like to get involved in a name like that. What I'd prefer is I'd like to get on the board or in management, uh, you know, pay myself. I like to call it a special dividend. I'll pay myself a special dividend, like a $1.5 million salary. Um, and, you know, if if the company has enough cash to pay a 9% dividend, they have enough to pay me a great salary. Um, and then basically I'll, I'll get a bunch of shares granted to me uh, so I don't have to pay full price for them. And then... Um, I'll increase the dividend. I'll get it to like 20%, um, pay some real special dividends whenever I feel like it. And that's how you really win in a company like this. Uh, not by just buying it on Robinhood, um, like a lot of my interns are doing. Um, so yeah, overall, I'm, I'm staying away from Exxon as a retail investor. Well, John, you mentioned Robinhood, and, and that actually transitions us to an area that I'm very interested to get your take on, which is the phenomenon that we've seen with day trading reaching the retail masses through apps like Ramithood and uh, spurned on by the the likes of Davy Day Trader Global. You joined Twitter, interestingly enough, in in April of this year. um, And that really coincides with the timing of the influx of this phenomenon around uh, the Robinhood trading uh, frenzy. What do you make of all of that? And and are you very uh, kind of tapped into that community? Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I've, I've actually recruited a lot from the Robinhood platform and from TikTok. So I've, I have a bunch of un- unpaid interns and analysts that I found on those apps. Um, and really, that's how I found out about Zoom and, and how I ended up buying a bunch of $3,500 Tesla calls back in July and August um, before the split. So I, I love those platforms. Some great genius minds on there. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, TikTok, I've gotten some good advice. I reach out to those people. I recruit them. Um, so I, a lot of people on my team I, I found on TikTok. Um I, I love the influx of all the new people coming to the market. You know, some of them are really bad. So it enables me just to take their money. I just, you know, basically like I'm snatching their lunch money. And and some of them are very smart. They know when, when Zoom is going to go up 300%. So I had to have them on my team. Uh, I either give them a good offer if I feel like they deserve it. Um, other methods, you know, I, I blackmail people to work for me or at least give me a good stock tip. Um, you know, I, I joined Twitter back in April because I had nothing else going on, you know, with, with COVID, uh, basically stuck at home, you know, and with my parole, I'm stuck at home also. So kind of two reasons to be at home. I had nothing to do. So got on Twitter, started just posting whatever, started posting nonsense and, and some real stock tips. And I met some good people uh, uh, through Twitter and, and through uh, Robin Hood and and through TikTok and actually, I actually uh, hired someone to hack the Robin Hood platforms so that I could message users on there. So I kind of turned it into a social network and I just comb through, see who's done well, see who has good returns, 
Um, so I'll find someone, maybe you deposited $400 and they're up 300%. I'll message them on Robinhood. Some of them will say, Hey, how did you get my contact info? Isn't this illegal? But, but some will say, Oh my God, it's, it's John Rich. I, I love your, uh, I love your Twitter. I love your material. I, I want to work with you. So that's worked out super well. So on Davy Day Trader, he's been quite the phenomenon. He was up, I think, as much as $4 million on his day trades. Yeah. And famously, he's proclaimed that stocks only go up. And, and at the time of this recording, despite this, the bounce back today, I think he had given back something like $3 million of that. I'm sure he's an avid listener of TC's Chartcast, and I'm sure that he follows your Twitter account. So given that he's almost certainly listening, uh, what advice would you give Davy Day Trader to handle these turbulent times, especially considering the breadth and depth of your expertise. Right. I'm, I'm sure he's, he's listening. I, I hope that I will be able to review some pizzas with him. That's kind of my greatest passion is, is food. So hopefully he has me on to review a pizza. Um, you know, I, I, I love the work that he's doing. If you know, my friend, uh, Chadford Whitmore on Twitter, he's done some great work with Davey on, on videos on, on basically showing that, you know, the suits don't know what they're talking about, um, which in a lot of cases, it's true. I, I love that he's exposing the people that are kind of just the the stodgy old investors who uh, just talk about 1987 all the time and don't have a clue what's going on now. So I, I love that he's exposing those people. Um, I, I love that he's kind of brought this whole new community because uh, I think he has one point, I forget if it's 1.3 million or 1.7 million followers, but you know, a lot of those were just sports fans and he's kind of brought all these people into investing. So I love that. That means more liquidity in the market, more people for me to rip off on, on options trades because they don't know what they're doing. But um, I love the community that he's built. So it seems like you've actually been able uh, to kind of toe the line between old school and new school. Um, what what attracts you to this kind of new school way of investing that, that you see Davy Day Trader exemplifying? And, and what do you see as the future for that over the course of, say, the next 12 months? Well, as far as the future goes, for those people, most of them are, uh, they're going to get blown up. Um, I think, you know, a lot of these people really do expect the stocks only go up. I know it started out as a joke, but there's a lot of people who really think that Apple is going to go up 30% every year. So I don't see much of a future for some of his followers. Um, I think Dave has a great future. I, I wish he was my grandson because I, I'm proud of him. Um, overall, this is probably going to end really badly for a lot of people. And I think when that time comes, I'm going to jump back to the other side and I'll be there with all the CNBC type people and say, oh, wow, we told you so, you know, stocks don't always go up. You weren't prepared. So I, I kind of jump around, but at least I'm, I'm smart enough to not stick with an old outdated viewpoint forever and cling to it. Um, unlike some of these other old suits. So I'm sure, you know, when things change, I'll probably go back and delete all my tweets making fun of the suits and I'll jump back on the other side and start making fun of Dave and his followers. But for now, I'm definitely on on Dave's side. Um, also, I, I do credit, you know, my medication for helping me 
uh, switch ideas, right? Like uh, I'm able to to look at these tech companies and actually invest in them. I I don't necessarily um, I'm not stuck in 1930. So um, I credit that to my good diet, Wendy's, and and my medication for helping me out with that. Well, we have to use all the tools available to us, don't we? So with your time, it sounds like you have a bit of time to to burn and you're able to uh, extend that to various different interests and and opportunities as they come along. Have you ever thought of using your time to participate in the gig economy at all to try and suss out if that's a a good place to continue to invest for the the long term? And and what are your thoughts on the gig economy companies? Yeah, so... I, I've participated in the gig economy. Um, I uh, I hired an accountant off Craigslist last year, so that worked out okay. Um, and you know, as far as Uber, um, I I've been in an Uber before, and it was it's very gross and spelled like McDonald's. So I'm not a fan of the ride sharing. I don't understand. You know, if 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 you're gonna get a ride, you know. Why don't why not just have a private driver? Um, so I have my private driver that drives me around. So I just prefer that. It's a, a lot easier than an Uber and waiting around. Um, of course, I use Uber Eats and DoorDash and and all of those names. You know, usually all on the same day, and I'll I'll make myself a buffet using five or six different meals um, from different restaurants. So I love that. Uh, overall, you know, Uber, what a great stock strong value play, you know, consistent profits. That's what I like about them. They're always profitable. They never just enter a market or enter a new segment without making sure it'll be profitable. So I love that about their management team. They don't burn hundreds of millions on on pointless marketing or or on incentives to, to get people into the market, even though they know what it is. So I love them for their consistent profits. You know, they're their community adjusted EBITDA. I don't know if you saw last quarter, but it was amazing. They, uh, they added back so much, but they should, because it's, you know, it was good numbers to add back and, and they just blew me away with their profit, uh, with all the add backs. So I love them for that. Um, you know, I, I invested since their IPO and I'm down like 20%, but that's okay. So I think they're going to do super well. I just don't use the ride sharing. Very gross. Uh, those scooters, I, you know, I, I do take those to Wendy's. Um, however, I, I like to put on a hazmat suit before I do, because usually there's vomit on them from, from party goers who are using them at 3 a.m. And uh, then they throw them in a dumpster or something. So uh, I'm very careful about that, but they're, uh, they're great for just getting around and, you know, I can't drive myself, so, uh, and when my driver's not available, I, I like to use the scooters to get around. So, yeah, I, I think the gig economy, overall, it's it's a good thing for our, for our uh, country. Yeah, well, I think um, if you look at some of the, I would say, ill-informed criticisms of companies like Uber and Lyft, is one of the main ones is that they take advantage of their labor force and they, they pay them you know, net below minimum wage. And so I can see based on your investment philosophy, why they would be particularly compelling, um, opportunities for you, mm-hmm. uh, pivoting in a little bit, um, you know, companies like Uber and Lyft have clearly been impacted quite negatively by the COVID situation. Yeah, I think, um, it's been tough. I, 
basically when this all started, my, my wife left me, so, and like I said, my kids don't talk to me, so I've had the house to myself. It's been tough. You know, like they have those stories from people crammed in their studio apartment in New York. Um, I feel for them. You know, I only have 9,000 square feet here in my mansion, so it's been tough. You know, I, I try to move between rooms, so I'll be in one room for like a week. Um, and then I'll move somewhere else in the house. And it's kind of like I, I moved somewhere else. Um, you know, it's been tough beyond that. I've gotten COVID seven times myself. Um, you know, mostly from going to Wendy's from, from licking my food off the table. I think I don't wash my hands. So, um, you know, I, I did get in some trouble, uh, last week. I, Someone dared me to sneeze on every table at KFC, and that was in Secaucus, New Jersey, and uh, they got pretty mad about that, so I wasn't able to complete the challenge. I sneezed on eight of the 15 tables, so I think there was an outbreak a few days later, but probably a coincidence. Um, I was able to, to get out of any trouble on that one. Um, as far as my fans... I would advise have a mansion much easier when you have a mansion. Private jet is even better because, as you know, tons of influencers will say, hey, stay at home. But they still can travel because they have a private jet to a private island. So they're good to travel. Um, so, yeah, if you can, just just be wealthy. You know, if don't live in a 300 square foot studio apartment in New York, if you can help it. Um, and, you know bad idea to live there and not have a car because you know then you can't travel you don't want to go on the subway it's gross so is the commuter line so my advice just be wealthy have a mansion private jet private island or some big piece of land um you know some people are wealthy enough to have a private city so like my good friend in north korea so he had he just had a private city he went to um but yeah, that's my advice as far as isolation goes. Well, words to live by, uh, certainly for those that can. Jen, you've mentioned Wendy's so many times. I have to ask you, uh, wh- why did you get turned on to Wendy's? And, and what's your order there? Are you a chili guy or are you burgers and fries? That's a good question. So, Best one. I usually get the large Diet Coke. Um, and then I fill it with one of those mini bottles of vodka I stole from a Hilton hotel. Um, so that's, that's like the first course. Um, and then I get two Baconators. Uh, I might order them double sometimes, so with double the patties. Um, and then I, yeah, I will get the chili. Um, I'll get the fries. You know, I'll get the mashed potatoes as well. Um, and then maybe a chicken sandwich on the side. Um, uh, like I said, I love Wendy's. I hope they sponsor me because... At this point, I've I've given them one billion dollars in in free media, so they should probably sponsor me. That would be the polite thing to do if they're listening. If the CEO of Wendy's is listening, um, oh my, I hate these these French fries. So greasy. I've, I grease all over me now. God. Have you been entertaining any any sponsorship offers from any other uh, any other companies, any other QSRs? No, not right now. You know, I, I think 
maybe I'm at the point where some company should be sponsoring me. I, um, uh, I think things that fit my brand, you know, are cheap liquor, um, and, and fast food, though it probably has to be Wendy's. I probably can't change up my fast food choice at this point. I think someone, you know, like, a one of those tall cans that you get for like $2, one of those brands would be perfect to sponsor me. Um, so if you know, if you know of anyone, tell them, uh, I'm available. Yeah, absolutely. I, I happen to have some contacts into the Coors family, so maybe we can discuss offline. But uh, the good thing about Coors, you know, they had those union issues as well, which seem to be right in line with, with your philosophy. Um, so, John, listen, we're very grateful that you chose our podcast to make your world premiere, but we have a few sort of life lessons and inspirational type questions that I know your your wide audience on Twitter would be thrilled for us to ask you. So I thought we would use the, the remaining time to dig dig into some of that. And I'll begin with, you know, sort of a classic quintessential question that's asked of deep thinkers and, and successful people in life, which is sort of, are you reading any good books these days? And do you have any that you might recommend to some of our listeners? Yeah. So, um, value investing by Ben, Benjamin Graham. I'm, I'm reading that for a good laugh right now. It's always good to laugh. So if you get a chance to read that one, read it and then do the opposite of what it says. Um, the other thing I'm reading, you know, at night, I like to turn off my devices and, and read so and get really into a good book. So right now I'm, I'm reading the Cheesecake Factory menu. As you know, it's about 40 pages. So I'm about one third of the way through and I'm just savoring each menu item in the descriptions. And, you know, when I have a really good week, I, I like to go to Cheesecake Factory. So it's good. I'm reading the menu. I can memorize it and know exactly what I want to order it's a long read. It's it's thick. It's it's going to take me a few weeks to get through, but I highly recommend it. So far, I I'm also reading uh, the book about the Enron guys, the smartest guys in the room. You know, I loved working with them in the '90s, and I haven't really stayed in touch, so I don't know. Uh, hopefully, there's an ending to the story. Hopefully, it, it talks about what they did after Enron, or if they're still there. So don't spoil it for me. I don't know how it ends. I'm really looking forward to uh, to finishing that book up. Well, and maybe we'll we'll wrap with uh, just this last question around your uh, philosophy on life. Your, do you have any mantras? Are you a very spiritual person? Kind of. I don't. I don't do those sayings like Warren Buffett does, where people post those quotes by him with his picture and then and then some cheesy saying. I don't do those. I try to stay away uh, from doing that. Um, just because, you know, when people post those Warren Buffett quotes, it it looks like he died or something. And then and people are like remembering him. I don't like to do that. I don't want people to think I died. So what I like to do is, um, you know, I just like to put my, my stock tips out there. So right now my mantra is buy Zoom calls. You know, that's a huge one. Buy $1,000 Tesla calls. Um those are basically my mantras right now. They'll probably change next week. I'll, I'll probably be a totally different person next week and, and unrecognizable to anyone just because I, I like to change things up. Well, John, I mean, we've, we've done this podcast now. This is episode 43, and we've had prior to this episode, you know, 42 brilliant guests, but I must say that this one has topped them all, and we've learned so much. Yeah, it's quite obvious that this is clearly, you know, the, the best podcast we've done yet, and the show strives to do better uh, at every episode. And, and you've certainly 
graced us with your time and your intellect and your generosity and your brilliance today. Um, let's close out by finding, you know, telling the audience where they can find John W.B. Rich. Um, what's your Twitter handle? Do you have a website? Do you have anything else to sell? Give the audience the full pitch because I'm sure we've just wet their beak and they want the full meal now. Yeah, so Twitter is the main place. You can find me. It's at Rich Tech Exec. So I'm, you know, easy to remember. I'm really wealthy. Um, I'm rich and I'm a tech exec. So follow me there. That's the main place. Um, putting together, I'm, I'm, I have a website. I'm working on it. I'm working on putting more content there. So that's John W. B. Rich dot com. You can, you can check that out. But, you know, basically the Twitter is that's the main party. Um, follow me there you know, send me a message. I'm, I'm happy to give people advice on, on whatever, um, you know, if they seem like they have money, I I'll, I'll charge them for it. Of course. Um, you know, this isn't a free ride, but you know, thanks so much for having me on. And it's been good. I mean, I'll probably, you know, I'm going to go back to sleep now for six or seven hours and then hopefully my interns will make me a good profit today. And, but I've, I've appreciated being on your show. Well, it's been an absolute delight for us as well. And so thank you for your time. And, and you're welcome to come back anytime you have something else to talk about. And in the meantime, enjoy your nap. Screw peasants, get money. Screw workers, get money. Screw peasants, John W.B. Rich. Money. He's our man. Peasants, if he can't buy money. it, no one Screw can. Workers. The man has got more bread than Wanda. If he moves out of Connecticut, the state budget gets torn asunder. He's going to buy himself a Lord of the Rings castle down under. Not just a rainmaker, he also does lightning and thunder. Who says so? Me. I'm Paul Tesler, your poet. Pretentious and glorious. Shouting out to B.I.G. so notorious. T.C. and Georgia, on the mics they rock. We got an awesome sound man. I see he's pointing at the clock. That means I gotta wrap this up, no pun intended. I hope I didn't offend him. I don't want to be unfriended. Thank you so much to our guest, John W.B. Rich, a man of whom you cannot say he is anybody's enemy. Peasants, get money. Screw peasants, get money. Screw peasants, get money.